This morning we read from 1 Timothy 1, 18-20. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these, and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Thanks, David. Appreciate that. Well, good morning. Some of you may remember an incredible shipwreck that happened uh, several years ago in 2012. It was the cruise ship, the Costa Concordia. And it sank after striking an underwater obstruction. 32 people lost their lives in this shipwreck. And what the report said is that the boat had deviated from the intended, the planned out course in the direction it was supposed to head and it came closer to the island hitting an object on the floor and the evacuation started to take place but it took quite a while and again 32 people lost their lives Captain Francesco said uh, and was charged with manslaughter he was charged with abandoning the ship and he was charged for failing to assist 300 passengers. He wanted to make sure he got off first. And here's what he later said. He said, somewhat arrogantly, I've made that maneuver many times. I knew the water well. I just didn't turn in time this time. And so the result was a catastrophic shipwreck. And not only was the captain's life ruined, he won't be a captain anymore, but all those who were part of that boat, their lives were destroyed. Many lost their lives in this incredible shipwreck because of his choices and his actions where the shipwreck occurred. As we look at 1 Timothy this morning, Paul's desire for us, for Timothy, his young beloved son, he calls him. His desire is that we don't end up shipwrecked. That we don't end up specifically shipwrecked in our faith as we're learning and growing following Jesus Christ. He desires for us to be alert. He desires for us to be aware of all that's going on. This scripture this morning reminds us he he desires for us to fight the good fight. And that we would be like a boat in the America's Cup on this incredible race, full sail, but in a battle, cross that finish line. And his desire for us is that we would be full sail in the life of Christ, not shipwrecked on the journey. Let's pray. Father, we we ask this morning that you would open our hearts to you. Father, some of us this morning have uh, gotten off course. And it may have been uh, many years we've been off course. 
and uh, we're shipwrecked. We've hit uh, something on the ground, and, and we don't even know how we got here. And so, Father, I just pray for us as a body of Christ. I pray that, that we would surrender our lives unto you, that we would hear your voice. I pray, Father, that uh, you would draw us back unto yourself if we've taken our own course. And Lord Jesus, would you fill us full of the the wind, the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be obedient to you and sail full, full sail in the life of Christ, we pray. In your precious name, amen. I'm always amazed by stories of uh, people who who we we know, who have uh, followed Christ, at least we, as we've observed their lives, they've followed the Lord. And then we come to, to find years later that they're nowhere near God. And I'm always, I'm always kind of dumbfounded by that. How did they get there? How do we end up with a, with a shipwrecked faith like Paul is talking about this morning? Here's what it says in, in Timothy about Hymenaeus and Alexander. And I want us to approach that first and understanding... How do we get to a place where we're shipwrecked? And then seeing how Paul is saying, oh, there's so many ways that we can avoid a spiritual shipwreck. And so we'll get to that in the second half. But here's what he says of of these two men who had professed the faith, who had been wanting to to lead. Uh, Really, I think they were drawn to the power. Earlier, Jackson taught us that uh, they were... They were teachers coming in who wanted to show themselves as teachers of the law. I think, again, loved the power. Maybe wanted to lay legalism on the people again and, and draw a following unto themselves. But were professing to be followers. And he says this, they have, they have rejected, verse 19, they have rejected these things and so have shipwrecked their faith. They've rejected faith. They've rejected a good conscience. They've rejected the things of the Lord. And it's, you know, sometimes we go, well, they they just, you know, they don't understand it or they're agnostic. They're kind of wrestling with that. Um, But that's not the case here. It's really a strong word. It has the idea of, of not only have I heard the word and what the Lord has for me, but I am thrusting it away. I want nothing to do with it. I push it away. I repel you. Don't come near me. It's a powerful word. They've rejected it. It refers to an intentional turning from truth to error in their thinking. Let me share some beautiful words from a young man from the 1800s says this our heart reason history and the work of Christ convince us that without him we cannot achieve our goal that without him we're doomed by God and it truly is only Christ who can save us these were deep sensitive wonderful thoughts from a 17 year old young man he was speaking of his spiritual wisdom that only few attain. 
He was baptized into the Lutheran Church in 1824. At age 6, he was baptized, and at age 16, he was confirmed in the church. And now a graduate from high school, he was asked to write a paper on a religious subject. And so this is what he explored. The union of believers with Christ, according to St. John's Gospel, and specifically John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. So his study as a young man, a man who loved Jesus, at least claimed Jesus, wanting to understand our union with him and what that was all about, wrote this whole thing, and in his paper he wrote, the fruit of our union with Christ is our willingness to sacrifice ourselves for our fellow man. And the joy which the Epicureans, in their superficial philosophy, they have sought that in vain, It is a joy, that wonderful joy is only known to the innocent heart united with Christ and through Christ to God. So wrote Karl Marx, 1844. You go, what? This man who was professing and seeking after and it seemed like an incredible devotion. He became militant in his atheism and his philosophical ideas. He went for a utopian, free, and numbing effects of religion he spoke about. One of the most influential figures of the 20th century. That's a shipwrecked faith. And you go, how do you get there? And you know, you you may be like me where you have several friends who you've walked with for a bunch of years. I have friends who were at my Christian college in Santa Barbara who, uh, boy, they sure seem to be following the Lord and then now they want nothing to do with Him. And these are people I was close to. These aren't some distant people. And you go, how do you get there? And so Paul's message this morning, I think, is a, is a strong warning for us, as well as an empowerment for us, how to, to stay away, how to avoid a shipwrecked faith, because uh, we are not immune if we get off course. And again, I know there's many of us, and, and there's different degrees, right, where we just get off course. And the Lord is always calling us back. He's all, hear my voice. Return, get back on course. I have life for you. And you're choosing to get away. And the further you get away, what happens? We don't hear his voice anymore. All we hear is our own voice. How did we get to that place? I don't think Hymenaeus and Alexander, and I don't think some of my buddies in college, I don't think they started out this way of just to heck with God. I want nothing to do with them. Quite contrary. I think they were wanting to understand him and know him. But like the captain of the Costa, they all of a sudden entered into this relationship or they were given this responsibility for the captain, the the joy of captaining this ship. It wasn't his ship. He wasn't the owner. He wasn't the one who set the course. It was the owners of the company and of the boat. They said, this is the route you need to go to. And you're in charge of that. 
But then what happens is, and I think this is what happened with Hymenaeus and Alexander, they started to kind of love the power of all that. Started to become prideful in how they were captaining their own ship. Kind of liked the course they were going on. Felt like, you know what? This course that I'm taking, I think, is better than what the, the owners have told me to do. And so I'm going to go this direction. I've got control of this. I know these waters well. I'm sure I can maneuver through here. And you slowly get off course, and just a little bit, and everybody knows every degree you're off course, when you've got a final destination, you get way off. And I think like all those on the boat, including the captain, they were just in cruise mode, weren't they? They were on a cruise. And you know what? Sometimes in our spiritual journey, we just get into cruise mode, and we just want to be taken wherever. And I think that's where we get off course. And so like for many, going off course, ending up at a place where we're shipwrecked. And what happens is, is not only is our faith shipwrecked, but you got to understand, we don't live this, this life in isolation. It affects everybody else around us. Like some of my friends who said they were followers of Jesus Christ and married a woman who's a follower of Jesus Christ, and then they decide halfway through their marriage, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. They didn't just shipwreck themselves. They've shipwrecked everything around them, just like the captain did. And Paul is going, be aware, be alert, we are in a fight. God has a course for your life, and it's a good course. It's full of life. Let's not get off where the Lord has sent you. You see, in 2 Timothy 2, Hymenaeus is, is talked about there, and it says this, says, Avoid godless chatter. Again, there's all these people who are getting all these arguments about theology, and they're, they're getting people off track of who's Jesus and what does he have to say. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Isn't that interesting? Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander. They have... Verse 18 says, they've departed from the truth. We get in 1 Timothy, they, they've rejected. They've said, I want nothing to do with it. Shove it away. My course is better. They say that the resurrection has already taken place. So we get some understanding of, of why Paul is really strong in dealing with these, these who are trying to bring in another truth, which is, in essence, a lie. They're saying we're living already in our resurrected bodies. And therefore, this is how we are now to live. And they were trying to gather a following, and they were leading people, really, away from the real Christ and all that he was doing. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, and that's what we always know to be true. Sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness, must turn away from their, their going off course. 
Because the Lord knows what happens. You're going to end up shipwrecked. You think you know the waters well. You think you can steer your own boat. And it ends up in a spiritual shipwreck. Your faith starts to be destroyed. And so here's what it says in Timothy. It says, listen, with these guys, there's, there's Hymenaeus, there's Alexander, and here's what Paul's saying. We've got to deal with these men. They're coming into the church and they're speaking a false uh, theology. And so I have handed them over to Satan to be taught not, not to blaspheme. And you go, man, that's, that's kind of mean. I mean, don't you? It's like, here, here's your Ouija board. Go be with the devil and burn, you know? I mean, it, it's kind of, it's hard. You go, hand it over to Satan. What's that all about? Well, that's not very loving. We see it in, in 2 Corinthians 5 with a brother caught in sexual sin. It says, deliver such a one, the one who will not give up their ways, the one who will not listen to the body of Christ, to the leadership of the church. Deliver such a one to Satan. Why? Basically over to the enemy, which is where, the, where the, Satan has really become their father. For the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved. Don't miss that. Turn him over to the enemy for the destruction of the flesh so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it says in our passage today. I have turned them over to Satan so that they might be taught not to blaspheme. I, I, I'm blown away by the, the amazing grace of Jesus Christ and Paul who is following him directly. You understand? I mean, here's people who are coming into the church. They're bringing a whole other theology. They're destroying the community of the, the body of believers. And there's still this little bit of redemption there. I want them to be taught so that they don't continue in this. I'm going to let them be turned over. Basically, in that time, it meant they're, they're not to be part of the fellowship anymore, which is a big deal. They're not to be allowed as part of this community we're letting them be turned over to all that they want to live in so that they'll realize that the direction that they're going is leading to a shipwreck. And they might cry out for salvation. That the flesh might be destroyed and that they might, on the day of Christ, be saved. That even, even Hymenaeus and Alexander, that they might be taught if their hearts are repentant and turning but it's not okay to just let them come in and, hey, let's let them come and teach on Sunday. Let's let them just continue to hang out with the fellowship as though everything's okay. It's not okay. We're in a battle to live in righteousness. We're in a battle against the world and the, and the flesh and Satan. And many are saying, listen, we want nothing to do with that Christ. We're going to teach you another Christ or another way of life. Or we're just going to reject everything that God has to offer and we end up in a spiritual shipwreck. And Paul is going, 
Be aware, dear saints. Timothy, especially you as you lead, you're young, you're a little bit timid, but you've got to speak into these things because God wants people's lives to be saved and he wants them full of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he wants them full sail on that course that America's cut fighting for life. God's amazing grace in the middle of it all. And so, the beginning parts of this, these couple verses this morning teach us, I think, how to avoid a spiritual shipwreck. Teach us how to stay the course. And also, again, like we've just looked at, warn us that we're not immune from getting off track. And so let's help each other to recognize when we're getting off course. Because God wants us to, to have the full life of him. Paul, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, who was totally transformed, who was turned upside down, fell in love with Jesus, given and trusted the gospel of Jesus, is now entrusting it to Timothy to keep it going in Ephesus, especially right now. But here's what he says. Here's how we stay with our, our sail set full, living obedient to the Lord, staying on course. He says this, Timothy, my son, my child, my spiritual child. It's very endearing, isn't it? Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following, by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Timothy, my beloved son. Here's one of the things that's so cool about Paul and Timothy. Paul just ends up loving Timothy. Ends up growing him up spiritually. He's a spiritual papa. But one of the things that this indicates right, off, right in the beginning to me is that, that Timothy, Timothy has a Paul. Timothy has someone who's speaking into his life. Spiritual truths, the things of God. Timothy is being entrusted, and it says that in 2 Timothy as well, what's been entrusted to you now start to entrust to others. This good news of Jesus Christ and all that he has for us. I have, I have entrusted to you. I want to walk through this with you. Timothy, I know this isn't easy. To be a spiritual leader and to, to bring truth into a body that's that's messy like all of us, right? And it's scary you're younger. And it's hard for you sometimes to step in. But you've been entrusted with the things of God, just like I've been entrusted. And I've taught you these things, and we've seen your spiritual gifts. Howard Hendricks would teach his young men and women at Dallas Theological, he would say this, you always need to have a Paul someone who is giving you spiritual truth, walking with you. And then you always need to have a Timothy, someone that you are receiving that spiritual truth from and then now passing it along. How do we avoid a spiritual shipwreck that we're constantly surrounded by people who are wanting to follow Christ and we're accountable 
to the next generation. And so our lives need to be accountable. I just want to encourage you all to really think about that. It's men and women. Is there a Paul in your life? And if not, maybe you might tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, would you disciple me? Would you walk through life with me? And then as you're receiving and growing, ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to entrust this to? All that I've been taught. Oh, it gives us strength in this spiritual journey. Helps us to avoid a spiritual shipwreck. But more than that, it helps us to live life full sail in Christ on his course. Loving him, being obedient to him, following. That's what it says. Timothy, my beloved, I give you this charge. In the NIV it says this instruction. It's not strong enough. It's a command. I give you this command. I I commit this unto you. I entrust this to you. This command. You understand, Timothy, I have been given all of this from the Lord. And you, my son, are a follower of Jesus Christ. And therefore a servant of his. And therefore both of us are called to be obedient to him. But I commit this, I command you. And I only command you in the power of Christ because he's commanded you. That you now live your life out in obedience to him. That we learn to follow. How do we avoid a spiritual shipwreck? We realize that we are servants of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us, who have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have been called to serve him with our lives. And so we are committed and we are given this. It's a military command. It has the idea of a superior issuing commands to his subordinate. You have the responsibility now, Timothy. Obey the words of Christ like I have. So true for all of us that the word of God is penetrating and that we're looking to it. Like James 1.22 says, right? Do, do not merely just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hey, Captain, don't merely just listen to this is the route we want you to take. Do it. Because when you don't, you deceive yourselves and you end up spiritually shipwrecked. And Paul is entrusting this to Timothy. I have committed this unto you, Timothy. You are to fulfill this He reminds him, look at this, this is beautiful. Don't you understand? I need to to not only remind you that you're beloved unto me, I give you this command in keeping with the prophecies made about you. I I think he's referring to when the elders came and really commissioned him, laid hands on him. And what they did is they recognized his spiritual gifts. They didn't just send Timothy out like, well, I hope it works out for you. 
it's, we see what God is doing in your lives and, and we, we see the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. Part of the way that we avoid a spiritual shipwreck is we, again, we start living the life of Christ. God has told us that he has given to each one of us spiritual gifts, at least one. Why? So that, so that we can enrich and encourage and live out the life of Christ and build up the body of Christ, each and every one of us. How do you stay off the, the rocks as you stay in full sail with Christ? That means our lives aren't just about coming here on Sunday mornings, right? We're, we're going from this place and we're living out the life of Christ. It keeps us on course. He says, you have had these spiritual gifts. They were bestowed upon you. The, the elders laid hands upon We've confirmed you. And now we want you to flesh those out to be reminded of who you are. What's true of all of us that the Scriptures teach us? Here's what I know to be true. The Lord says of me and of you as followers of Jesus Christ, we are salt and light in this world. That's living the full sail of Jesus. He says we're more than conquerors in this world. He says everywhere we go we have victory because of the life of Christ. To some we're an aroma of life, to some an aroma of death, but we walk in victory. Why? Because we're living out the life of Christ. That's staying on course with Jesus. You are ambassadors. You're ministers of the gospel of reconciliation. Do you know who you are? Do you understand your spiritual gifts and how we're, we're meant to live? When we just get in cruise mode and we're just letting the boat take us wherever we want, we end up oftentimes spiritually shipwrecked. You're going, where's the life of Christ? Well, you chose to just go off course. You chose to stop listening. Not only that, but you kind of like just being in cruise mode. And so I don't want to hear from you. Instead of receiving and enjoying and experiencing the full life of Christ as we, as we live out all that he's given us. So start to live. Ask God, God, help me. I want to live for you today. This has been committed unto you. And here's, here's the real key in how we, how we stay in the fight, how we stay on course. And this is what he says. He says, my dear son, I want you to fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. I want you to fight the good fight. Do you understand? Wake up, dear saints. It's a fight. It's a battle. It isn't a Sunday picnic when we became Christians. You know, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I had the joy of going with some friends to, um, to the uh, Amy Grant, Michael W. Uh, concert the other night. It was at the Botanical Gardens. Beautiful. You know, just beautiful. And uh, brought back all these memories from when I was 16 years old. I just loved Amy Grant. I had a big crush on her. And... Uh, I was enjoying the concert with my friends and beautiful night out and uh, just enjoying life. And I met up with another friend of mine there I hadn't seen in years and, and we, were both just, we were both just talking about how beautiful and, and we love the songs and there's a lot of songs just about the love of God and stuff like that. But she said something and I don't even think she meant it this way but she said, isn't it amazing, you know, we get, we get to enjoy all this beauty and yet 
you know, there's all these Christians who are getting beheaded and, and are under oppression, and, and yet here we are, we get to live this. It was just kind of like, whoa. You know, we, we sometimes, again, it's nothing wrong in, in, with enjoying the beauty of that song and, and enjoying the worship time, but it was a stark contrast, isn't it? We, we, we're in a battle. And sometimes I just think we forget. And we just sit there and enjoy the lawn and the scenery, you know? And we forget we're in a battle. And Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, this is a battle we're in. You can never forget that. When we hit those waters, we, we're like the America's Cup, and it's going full course, and there's battles against the others. Everything's coming against you. And in this world that we live in, that's the battle. We, we battle our flesh all the time with our sinful stuff. We battle the world philosophy that's trying to tell us how to live life. We battle the enemy himself, Satan. That's a constant. And that's what we need to wake up to, that we're in a battle and we're moving ahead. And here's the deal. You know, our president has, has continued to tell us, hey, uh, in this battle that we're going into, there won't be boots on the ground. There will not be boots on the ground. We're just going to do airstrikes. Well, I'm just telling you folks, that's not the Christian life. It's full boots on the ground. It really is. We are engaged in warfare. And one of the ways that we avoid a spiritual shipwreck is that we recognize we have to be prepared. We have to be alert. We have to be aware that we're getting off course we have to be aware that people are trying to just destroy us all the time. Our faith, you got Hymenaeus and Alexander trying, that's not the real faith, here's the faith over here. Sort of like Christianity, but it's so much better over here. And he's drawing them in, we've got to fight the fight. Recognize and, and realize that we're in a battle and that God has given us ways to do war. How do, you, how do you wage good warfare? Well, he gives us two ways here that he speaks of. He says, listen, I want you to understand, you've been gifted, live out your life in Christ, you're my beloved son, you're going to have to fight the good fight. Now, I just want to make one point here. It's not, you're going to fight a fight. It's not like you're going into a football game, you know. And hey, this is a good battle, you know, this football game versus these two teams. It's not a fight. It's, it's the fight. And it's ongoing. You are going to fight the good fight, which is life in Christ, which is all about bringing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the fight we're in. It is the fight. It's the fight for your soul and for the rest of the world who needs to know the love of Jesus Christ. That's the fight we're in. And we're going to keep battling it. And so it lies in our faith. He says, hold on to the faith. Lay hold of that. Stand firm for truth. Oh, it's amazing how we just lost, we, we've lost in so many places holding on to doctrine. Or we're so enamored with fancy words and people who are incredible orators that have slick tongues. For some reason, we're drawn to that. Doctrine, eh. They told a good story. And we're drawn to that. 
And, and we're, we start to get drawn into personal experience. And Well, let me tell you, Rod, how I feel about this text. It doesn't make me feel very happy that it's dealing with my sin. I just don't feel good about it. And all of a sudden, we've become based on our feelings about the text instead of what the text really says and what the scriptures are calling us to as followers of Jesus Christ. Hold on to the faith. Ray Stedman talks about faith as believing the truth about God, His power. Believe about His control over all of human history. Believe about His love for us, for a lost race that has chosen to abandon Him, but take steps to redeem them and bring them to Himself. Believe that faith is, is about realizing our sin nature, that we have a problem. We do. And we need a Savior. Faith is remembering about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He didn't stay dead. He rose again and He's empowered us to have life in Christ. That's faith. Hold on to it. Faith is learning about who Christ really is and that in every situation, the wisdom and power that it takes to live in righteousness are given to us as we ask upon the Lord. It's faith. Live holding on to that, Timothy. Live holding on to that, dear saints, because when we start to get in cruise mode and then we drift off of where we're called to, our faith puts us back in the right direction. That which we can hold on is good and solid and true. Hold on to that and a good conscience. Good conscience isn't, isn't just something that, again, well, right and wrong, right and wrong, and let me choose. Good conscience is, I know right and wrong, and my, my good conscience, my, my faith, my knowledge of God, it sets me in the direction that I will always choose what's right. because of the way God has wired me and because of the way that I am following Him and obedient to Him. Have a good conscience. Right and wrong are before me. I go right. I, I'm dialed in to what is righteous. It's not, again, based on my feelings, but to seeking out what is true of God. Good conscience comes from the Word of God. That's what teaches us right and wrong. He tells us what is true. He reminds us through the power of His Holy Spirit when we get off course so that we're drawn back. A good conscience is a synonym for an obedient heart that wants to do what God says is right. Timothy, fight the good fight. Timothy, you're in this battle. And oftentimes, as people are facing this battle, they're getting off course, and they're ending up in a spiritual shipwreck. It's time to draw back in. It's time now to live, my beloved son, living out in the gifts of the Lord that he has given you, living out now in the life of Christ, in his truth, holding on to faith, dear Timothy, knowing what's true of Christ in your life. He's given you the power to live this life. He's given you the freedom, the forgiveness of your sins so that you might have life. Live in a good conscience that you're choosing righteousness. 
Not saying, I'm going to steer my own ship, God. But I choose you. I choose what is true. I choose your word, which is true. And so we go into the battle, and our sails are set full with the life of Christ. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for ministering to us. And Again, I really do pray, Father, for, for those who have maybe gotten in cruise mode. Uh, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, just draw them back, empower them to get back on course, and, and give them and remind them of the life that we have in you. And I just thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your resurrection, for your life. It's, it's no longer my life, but your life living through me. And I thank you for that, dear Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we surrender our lives to you. In your precious name, amen.